even if I'm bombing, I can't give off the air of, you know what, I don't care because they pay their money and I want to honor that. I still will like tank and like it won't get better. But my mentality is less like I don't care. And it's more like this sucks. Try and learn from you remember when like Tyra Banks when she had that meltdown with Tiffany she was like learn something from this. (laughs) We were all (laughs) counting on you. Go on. (laughs) (laughs) So I always try to learn something from the bomb. So excited to have Phoebe Robinson on the podcast. Y'all get ready to laugh. When I say get, it's G-I-T. Not get, but get, 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 get ready to laugh because she is so funny. Phoebe Robinson, comedian, producer, actor on Naked. Black Tech Green Money isn't just about telling the stories of successful black entrepreneurs. It's also about giving actionable and wealth-building strategies that help you protect the future of our communities. That's why we're pleased to be supported by State Farm Insurance. State Farm also believes that we must invest in our communities to achieve economic growth by sponsoring programs like the AXO, which rewards high school students for their academic achievements. State Farm believes that being better neighbors creates better communities. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. We all can't help but wonder what adventures lie just over the next ridge. A Nissan Rogue, Nissan Pathfinder, or Nissan Armada will take you there. If you're taking on your adventure in a 2024 Nissan Rogue, class-exclusive Google built-in is always updating Assistant that can be called on for almost anything. Along with Assistant, Google Maps and Google Play Store are built right into the 12.3-inch HD touchscreen infotainment system of the 2024 Nissan Rogue. Nissan SUVs have the capabilities to take you where you want to go. Learn more at NissanUSA.com. Carry champions to be a champion, a champion and carry champion and carry champion, a champion and carry champion and carry champion. Greatest, greatest in sports and entertainment, connected with. In a world with vulnerable, considered weak, come and remove the veil from entertainment's elite. It's the difference between what is real and what the public sees. So here's your favorite celebrities behind the scenes. It's refreshing, authentic, the whole story specific. Life altering events to shape the person that you hear. We got a champion and carry champion. Hey girl, you did it. It's the greatest in sports and entertainment connected with us. Every champion and carry champions to be a champion. A champion and carry champion. Hey girl, you did it. Got a champion and carry champion and carry champion. Greatest, greatest. Get into it, y'all. I say this every week, but this week, I'm not kidding. You're going to laugh. You're going to have a good time. Uh, Our guest, you may know her, actor, comedian, producer, Phoebe Robinson, best known as co-creator and co-star of the HBO limited series. You guys remember Two Dope Queens? Yeah, okay. Phoebe Robinson. That's what I'm talking about. She has a show on Comedy Central called Doing the Most with Phoebe Robinson. I watched it. It was funny. She was, you know, feeding horses with you know other comedians and doing things with superstars that arguably she probably shouldn't be doing but it was funny to watch it um she is a new york times best-selling author you can't touch my hair and other things i still have to explain like imagine a book filled with isms right whether they're cultural or just being about being a woman or dating or whatever the case may be i'm about to tell you all the things you cannot do um, she has another book that was also on the list, the New York Times best-selling list. Everything's trash, but it's okay. That's how I currently feel about the state of America. Everything's trash, but it's okay. We're going to get through this. 
Um, and she has her own literary imprint. It's called Tiny Reparations Books. Uh, but her books specifically, please don't sit on my bed in your outside clothes, September 28th on the shelves. I'm saying that on purpose. September 28th, around the corner. Help my girl. Celebrate my girl. Go out and get that book. Please don't sit on my bed in your outside clothes. She sounds like my mom. You guys, that is a, a saying in the culture. Your mom ever tell you, or just anybody, you go to somebody's house and you're trying to sit on their bed with your outside clothes. You've been outside playing all day. You've been in your street clothes, the lights. You've been you've been outside since the street lights just came on. You came back in and tried to come in the house and sit on the bed. Mm-mm. Not on my clean bed. You don't do that. Uh-uh. Um, in addition, she has a one-hour stand-up comedy special that is set to premiere October 14th on HBO. When I tell you this is her year, her month, her season, it is her season. What I like about her the most, though, is that I watch her. I'm watching from afar, and I'm inspired as she is really building an empire. Like, as we said, she is all these multi-hyphenates, but she also has a literary imprint where she's looking for people who have different things to say and give them platforms where people can find them. Writers, there's so many great writers and authors out there that you never heard of, and Phoebe wants to bring them to you. Like, I love that. I love that she's a writer in her own right. Too many rights. Um, and she's very funny. Her humor, though, for me, I think is welcoming and warming. Um, she's able to be very vocal about what is right and what is wrong, as comedians often do. But she does it in a way in which it feels very receivable. And sometimes, remember your parents say, it's not what you say, it's how you say it. I definitely need to work on that. Because <laughs> when I say it, people want to fight me. Um, and it's definitely in the way in which I say it. But she, I talked to her about this. I go, I'm so impressed because I was just on her IG. Even as I'm writing or writing this intro and giving it to you all, I'm on her IG and I just, I think it goes from, I'm very vocal about what's wrong um, in this world. I'm going to talk about George Floyd, Breonna Taylor. I'm going to talk about what's going on in our country. Um, but then I'm also going to give you, you know, a man crush Monday, if you will. Um, and I'm paraphrasing where she just posts these hot ass dudes and they all hot and they're from all backgrounds and they're all, I'm like, Hey girl, I like all this, but then, but then, you know, as she is uh, promoting her new book, she gives us her Phoebe isms. One of which is ladies, you have to wear a matching bra and panty. I like to keep it sexy because the show is called naked. Like my booze will know I keep it sexy, 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 sexy. I love a matching bra and panty set. And it's not just for a special occasion. I try to do it often, but I don't do it as much as I should. And I am inspired. I'm about to hit the lingerie store. I'm about to go buck. Okay. I'm going to stay sexy. Why not? She says it's mandatory. I'm like, damn. Okay. Okay. She called me out. I consider myself the ladies of the ladies. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but more importantly, I want you guys to really support her. She has so many different projects coming out. She has so many things that you can probably read. Um, she is trying to save the world one laugh at a time, one bra and panty at a time. Sit back, relax, enjoy, because this is going to be funny. Because I put myself out here. I'm trying to find a boo. Every show, I'm trying to find a boo. <laughs> enjoy, Phoebe Robinson. Welcome to the show, Phoebe Robinson. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for having me on. I'm so stoked to be here. I think you're one of my favorite interviewers. So I'm all like, whenever you want to talk, I'm I'm here. It's great. 
I love that. I saw that um, you went on Jamel, my, my partner in crime on television, her podcast. Mm-hmm. I was looking at her calendar. I was like, you, tell Phoebe I said, hey, I was all in her business. <laughs> did she tell you or did she forget? She did. Oh, you okay. guys together are just, uh, it's so great. It's so great to watch. Well, um, we um, have a really, really, really interesting, great friendship. And I think that there is a lot of the, when you recognize it in other women, you want to be around it. So I think that might be one of the many reasons I, I was a fan, obviously, from your first HBO special. But I literally was like, you, let me ask you this. Yes. When you did the HBO special, Two Dope Queens, a limited series, did you know the impact it would have on your life specifically? Um, no, because you just, I mean, like when I start, like when you were growing up as a kid, I, I know I'm going to date myself for all the um, Gen Zers out there, but there, there wasn't like all the streaming stuff there. It was just like HBO and Comedy Central were the only two places for comedy. There wasn't this level of competition there is now. So like now putting out stuff, I never really know what's going to resonate, what's not going to hit, what. Like some of these, I think I'm like, oh, people are going to respond to that. And it's kind of just like a blip. So I think when we did, we certainly understood the bigness of doing HBO. Um, Anyone who works in comedy, like if you get on HBO, that is like the holy grail. It's just huge. But, you know, I think when we saw the, (laughs) I remember I was in, Portland with my boyfriend and we were watching because he got me into Game of Thrones and we were watching like before the episode came on the air there was like the little like teaser for like these are the shows that are coming up this season and we saw like just like the clip of Jess and I on stage and I was just like oh wow like we're in an ad on HBO that's when I was like oh this might actually be more than just like five people (laughs) watching You're like, this is a big deal. Yeah. Yeah. Because when you do it, you just sort of like, as you know, when you're doing anything, your head is so focused on the work that you kind of can't get outside of that to sort of like take in the bigness of the moment. You just have to focus. And so when you do have those moments, you're like, oh, okay. Like I'm not just doing this in a vacuum, you know? You are you are speaking the truth as I lean into the mic. You are speaking the <laughs> truth. When you are, are so focused on what you need to do, you don't even understand. I, I, and I'm sure you can relate. You don't be like, oh, I forgot to tell you, I'll be here and I'm doing that. Like you're just so, mm-hmm. if in the moment, you're so focused. I think that when I think of comedians, and I've been, I don't know if you've been listening to this podcast, Smartless. I shouldn't talk about other podcasts, but I've been listening to this podcast called Smartless. Um, and they were talking about lives of comedians, and it's Jason Bateman and Sean. Hayes and Mm -hmm. um, Will Arnett. And they were like, it's sad. Mm -hmm. Like Maya Rudolph, who I love, was on there. She goes, it's really sad and it's dark. Would you agree? I I think for me, I wouldn't say sad and dark because I'm not struggling with any particular demons. But I do think there is a loneliness aspect to it especially when you're torn. Like I have my special coming out on um, HBO Max, my first solo stand-up special. And, um, you know, I was supposed to tour it. I was supposed to tape it last year. So I spent 
probably uh, eight months in 2019 touring and you just bop around from city to city and like you 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 know you're living in a hotel sometimes the hotels like aren't that great they're not that clean you're focused on getting it right because you know the end goal is I'm trying to sell this special so like as much as this is fun like I'm taking I'm doing like any amount of stage time taking like maybe some like not so great paying gigs in the hopes of selling this to then get like decent pay. Um, And I think it's like, you just spend a lot of time by yourself. And I am a person who I like traveling, but I don't like it when it's like every single weekend I'm in a different city like that to me. I'm like, I need to have a place of like a sense of home. I need to like have like my space and my serenity. So for me, I think that, touring stand-up can be lonely and I'm sure other co- comedians feel like that so maybe that's perhaps why they turn to drugs like I you know don't know everyone's story so I don't want to make that generalization but I do think there's an element of like you are the person who comes into town make everyone laugh and then you just ha- kind of have to like leave <laughs> and then that's it you're welcome yeah goodbye <laughs> yeah and it's a very strange it's a strange profession to be like, I am so funny and interesting that I am going to stand on stage and talk for an hour uninterrupted. Like that is a very, that's an ignorant thing to be like, this is what I'm going to do. Wow. You know what I mean? Well, for you to and say so, it that way is so profound. I mean, there's so much more to it, but if you just said the job mm-hmm. description, that's, that's amazing. Yeah. And so I think that like, especially for comedians where they really need that attention to help sort of deal with whatever is going on with them internally or in their lives. Like when you don't have that, that is very unsettling for them. And I am, I've done some like work on myself and during COVID. And one of the things I realized is that I'm an ambivert, which means I have both extroverted and introverted tendencies. So for me, doing a show is just emotionally and spiritually draining, which is why when I do a show, I just want to go back to the hotel room. Like, I don't want to hang out. I don't want to party. I'm trying to have more fun because I'm realizing that is like not healthy. Like I need to like hang out with friends and blah, blah, blah. But I just like need to recharge the batteries. And so I'm not, after I do a show, I'm like not craving any more interaction because I'm so drained. But if you're not built like that, you want that, you need that energy because you can't just go off, go do, like, you know, do a show for like a thousand people and go off stage and go, just go back to your hotel room by yourself. Like that's a, that's a downer, you that, know? But that's why athletes have such a hard time when they retire or if they're forced to retire mm-hmm. or sometimes they can't walk away. That adrenaline, that rush, that feed off the crowd, you'll never get anything to replace it. So you're right. It's like yeah. you kill it. You do, or what about though the opposite part in your in your world? If you bomb, can you go back mm-hmm. to your room and chill out? You don't want to feel you don't want to be around people. <laughs> yeah, you know, definitely when I was trying to get this hour together, and you definitely have some like I remember I did Philly in 2019, and it was rough. Like I was like, oh, they are not here for me. And in this moment, I'm barely here for me because it's not going that well. 
um so yeah it's just like one of those things where you feel like you kind of have this stink to you so i i definitely just want to go back to the hotel room order some room service watch some like 90s tv on like nick at night and try and forget that i stunk up the place oh but can i ask a question i for a while a long time especially growing up here in la i used to when i I had a really good friend in college who knew she was going to work with comedians and be in the business in some capacity and so like at 20 we would go to the comedy store or we would just be at these different places the laugh actor i'm like why are we here like what's going on um but when I didn't realize how important it is for us to be involved. And I think the average person who doesn't live in your world or understand entertainment, when they go to, they just expect to be entertained. I want you to talk to me about Mm -hmm. what it feels like, like when you're on stage and you know you're bombing. Like when I have a shitty live interview, I'm aware and quickly Twitter will tell me, but I'm like, I know this shit's awful. I'm trying to do my best. I can't make this person talk. (laughs) You know what I mean? I don't need you to tell me I suck. I know. So when you're up there, what do you, I mean, what are you feeling? And when do you know it's spiraling? Is it five minutes in? Is it 10 minutes in? Is it, what has to work or every situation is different? Yeah. I feel like there are different kinds of bombing, but definitely you can kind of tell certain nights you can be like, like 10 minutes and you can be like, yeah, this is not going to be the night. So you just try and get through the material. But you're also like when I was younger and I would just be like bombing, I'd be in my head. I'd be like, you know what? I don't care. Like, fuck this. And then like, as I got older, I was kind of like, even though I'm bombing, these people paid They have babysitters, they pay for their Ubers, they pay for dinner. So even if I'm bombing, I can't give off the air of, you know what, fuck this, I don't care because they pay their money and I want to honor that. I still will like tank and like it won't get better, but my mentality is less like, I don't care. And it's more like this sucks. Try and learn from you. Remember when, like, Tyra Banks, when she had that meltdown with Tif- Tiffany, she was like, yes. Learn something from this. And so <laughs> we that's what all <laughs> <counting> on you. <laughs> Go on. <laughs> so, I always try to learn something from the bomb. And sometimes it's just like, Oh, like, I should have started with different material, or Oh, they just weren't interested in me. Or sometimes I should just start with some crowd work so they could get to know who I am first. And then I could go into the material. And then sometimes it's like my head, I just wasn't in the right headspace to be doing stand up that night. And so I didn't bring it. And I think the audience maybe picked up on that. So they also maybe didn't bring all of themselves to the show, you know? So you take a lot of responsibility. Like, I love that about you. And I don't know if that's because you're a woman, but you're taking, <laughs> you're like, yeah, they hate their money. They pay, they should be here. You know, I just, I want to perform. Yeah. I mean, like, and maybe mm-hmm. I was in the right headspace, you know, or maybe I should have. I have been to these situations, I've been in some situations where the comedian's like, you guys suck. They're an awful audience. You're like, is it us? Mm. Like, wait, what is that? Like, how do you get mad at the audience for not laughing? You know yeah. what I'm talking about. Like, you've been yeah, there. Yeah, you yeah. see the, and it's usually like a male comedian with so much like a chip on his shoulder. He's like, this crowd's whack tonight. I should just get off stage. You're just like, how are you blaming me? I don't, <laughs> we're, we're yeah. sorry, sir. <laughs> You're not funny tonight, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, I definitely had, I would say, I not necessarily like terrible crowds, but I think... Okay. I will say there's a specific kind of like white 
liberal crowd that wants to be super woke. So they're very like, I want to... I want every I want to be on the right side of history and I'm only going to laugh at things that I think are like and you're like calm down this isn't like you actually doing work you know what I mean like they think they're doing work by going to a stand up comedy show and being like I I don't want to hear anything about race because we just needed to like get through it you know what I mean so those kind of audiences where they're so tight and I and I've said before and I was like the fact that you guys don't want to laugh at this or want to talk about this is part of the problem. Like not addressing it. Like let's all pretend like we're coming out of 2020 and we're just supposed to ignore race. Like literally makes no sense. So you definitely have those audiences where it's like, you got to loosen up and talk about these things so we can get through them and get a solution going. I think, okay. So yes, audiences can be crappy. I do agree. But I did like your response to, well, maybe, you know, obviously we take ownership because you want to be excellent, but sometimes it could be, it could be a mixture. Who knows? I I don't know what that feels like. I couldn't, I couldn't even begin to understand what you're dealing with because you're literally as an artist saying, let me just present my art to you. How do you feel? And Mm -hmm. laughter is approval, I assume, right? You want Mm -hmm, them to enjoy mm -hmm. themselves. And then if you don't get it, like I, it's hard to walk away from that. But yet and still, Miss Robinson yeah. has such a positive attitude. Where do we get that from? Or is that, or is that like I'm positive when I need to be, but I can let people have it? Because I'll say I'm really nice until I'm not. You know, I have like that approach. But yeah. it's like you got to get me there. Yeah, I think it's two things. I I definitely do have a I'm nice until I'm not until you like push me. And then I'm going to like I'm going to burn shit down. And it's like <laughs> I'm working on that therapy where it's like I told my therapist, I'm like, I'm a classic escalator. Like I won't start a fight. But if someone starts something, then I'm going to like just destroy, like just burn everything. Just burn Scorch all the props. Earth. <laughs> I understand you sister bring it yeah it has been brought in <laughs> you didn't come from me but i found you go on <laughs> yep <laughs> so there's that but i think also i've been doing stand-up for 13 years and certainly in the beginning i was bombing more than i was having great shows and in the beginning like it would i would feel horrible I feel so embarrassed. I'd be like, oh my God, like need to like hurry up and like leave the club. Like I really had to work through that and sort of understand this is always going to be the process is figuring out, getting the language right, figuring out the timing. You're never, if you're going to do stand up, you're never going to just only have great shows. Like, cause Eat, like now I'm starting from scratch with like a new hour. I just sort of like outlined it yesterday, like what I want the hour to be. And now I got to start building material and writing. And I'm like, I'm sure when I test stuff out, some of it's not going to hit. Like it's the same with Chris Rock or Wanda Sykes when they're trying stuff out. Not everything's going to hit. And you have to, over time of doing stand up, build that sort of t- thick skin to understand that you are not so exceptional that failure does not touch you. And by the way, it also keeps you humble. It keeps you real. It keeps you Mm -hmm. close to the streets. In my opinion, I got my ear to the streets. And Mm -hmm. while I love Oprah, Oprah has been rich for too long. Her ear is no longer to the streets. (laughs) And so I would, I would love to have that problem. But what I like about you is your range. You on Mm. your, when you have your man crush, I'm just taking off even something off Instagram. He could be black, white, Asian, green, purple, but he fine. And I'm in agreement. 
And then you are active. And by that, I mean, you're an activist. Like, what is wrong? Like, I see what's wrong in society. I am black. Don't forget it. I know you love me on both sides of the aisle, but let me keep this real. You got to stop killing these young black boys and girls. And then you're still loved. What a beautiful way to live when people can see you for who you are and your voice and not associate your beliefs with your colors. And while we are, I'm sure that Mm. happens, but how are you able to have so much range? Where does that come from in terms of what you do, how you speak and how you move and still appearing to be loved by all? That's a great question. I mean, I think I definitely do have some people who don't necessarily want me to speak out about issues. They sort of, they like the Thirsty Thursdays where we just keep it light and cute. And, you know, my books and two dope queens where we're just like having fun and he, 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 and that's it. Um, so I think for me, and also I don't like to call myself an activist. Like, I don't think I, mm-hmm. I, I here's my big thing. I think what do you call yourself? People, I call myself a person who tries to be informed and is aware, but I'm not doing, you know, the work of like the real activists who are in the trenches day in and day out. Like, I feel like a lot of people like to call themselves an activist. I'm like, the work that you're doing is just only benefit. It's just building your brand. That's not activism. That's just you. You know what I mean? Where it's like, I'm an activist and it's just like they're getting more and more things. And I'm like, what? A, who are you helping? Wait a second. Wait a second. You're schooling me on something that is probably real and true <laughs> because these people are doing it for like fame. But I like I legit I legitimately know that if I get ready to post something or say something, I'm gonna get more heat than praise. And it's not for my brand. Mm-hmm. So I feel as if. And I wouldn't call myself an activist, but there's a word for people like you and I who purposely use our platforms when needed to express what's not right. We don't have to lend a voice to it. We can go on as if it doesn't matter. And I don't know Mm -hmm, if you need mm -hmm. a title for that, but it takes an insert, uh, an incredible amount of courage to know that people even on your team are saying, well, well, Phoebes, you know, I made that up right now. I don't know. But I'm just saying (laughs) I I have that on my team, my Mm. agent. One of my agents may roll their eyes if they see one of my posts, but guess what? Here it comes. Press send because it matters mm. more to me to be on the right yeah. side of history and speaking out. Maybe not an activist, but you have that, but still have a range that I think is admirable. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, I think all my work sort of stems from I just want to do what's right. And I just want to do. I think, you know, both of us as Black, when we experience, of course, discrimination, not getting jobs, like being treated differently because we're women, because we're people of color. And so I think, you know, whether it's Two Up Queens or my imprint or my production company, I always want to, whatever I create, I want to have a platform that invites other people in. And is it, like, I don't need to speak for everyone. I, I want to pass the mic. I want to have other people share their experiences and their stories. And I think for me, there's a lot of, as much as I love working in Hollywood, there's a lot of smoke and mirrors. It's a lot of it's like high school. There's a lot of just hypocrisy that's happening where people be like, they want to stand up against this thing in private, but in public, they had the first one who has their thirsty ass online to align themselves with someone who's not, looking out for us. You know what I mean? And so 
I know everyone is contradictory in their own ways, but I try to check myself as much as I can and really be like, okay, I can't say I believe X, Y, Z and then go do this thing. So am I going to act on how I believe or am I going to act on what I think is going to make me cool or get the likes? It's a choice. Every day it's a choice. Why? Because I think the way that social media is built and the way that society is built, it's built a lot on momentum and a lot on getting addicted to what, like any sort of kind of um, reaction. So like with, you know, you look at like an influencer, it's like because they get the reaction, so they post more where they get more reaction. So they keep going and going and going. It becomes like a cycle, right? And so I think, it's very easy to get caught up in cycles. It's very easy to get caught up in the likes. It's very easy to be like, okay, I'm only going to post things on social media that are trending based on these hashtags, or I'm only going to post things where it's certain kind of music that's popping right now, as opposed to being like, I want to post things that are specific to me. And yes, I will get a smaller audience because of it, but I'm also not beholden to them or the thing. Because I think what happens is a lot of people are like, well, I have all these followers, I have all these likes, so I can only say or do these three things because I don't want to make them mad. And it's like, you can't live for strangers. You cannot spend your life living for strangers. Yeah, I can preach about this all day. Yeah, I have this conversation at least once a day with somebody for five to 20,000 minutes because it's the truth. (laughs) You know what I mean? I get so frustrated. Mm -hmm. Even... Like, I don't know about you. Did I just take breaks? I, I, okay. Um, I have so many things to ask you because, again, I'm fascinated. And then what I hear from you is saying that you just try to be your authentic self. And at the end of the day, mm-hmm. I, I tell my mentees, authenticity, I hope, and I'm not, you know, a, a jaded Hollywood person, but I believe authenticity wins the day all the time at the end of the day. I believe that. I want to believe that. Um, so... That's what you are. That's why you have range. That's why people are are like drawn to you. You know what I'm saying? Because you feel like this is a real conversation or this is a real person. Side note, listener. Okay, when I bought my first house, I only have one. I got these beautiful (laughs) flowers. I had no furniture and some flowers waiting for me from who? Phoebe. Literally (laughs) on my podcast, my other podcast, The Brown Print. And she... We just connected and she sent me flowers. She's like, I know it. You know, it's a special moment. I just bought a house. I was like, two thug tears. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> it was, people course. don't do that. People don't, we're so busy. We have so much going on. We don't mean to be thoughtful. Are we thoughtful? I love it. Um, I, yeah. And then I think I see why you're so successful. So I don't want this to end. So we're going to take a break, pay some bills because that's what we got to do. We're going to come back. There will be more laughing. There will be more thoughtful um, insight. Uh, there will be fun. Phoebe Robinson on the other side of the break. Every champion and carry champions to be a champion. A champion and carry champion and carry champion. A champion and carry champion and carry champion. Greatest, greatest in sports and entertainment. Connected with. Are you all about the NBA action? You've got to try Pick 6, the newest fantasy app from DraftKings, an official partner of the NBA. Right now, new customers can earn a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 in Pick 6 credits when you deposit $5 or more. 
Getting started is simple. Just download the DraftKings Pick 6 app and sign up with code TBE. Pick at least two players and choose if they'll have more or less of a stat. Like, will they score more or less than 30 points? Or have more or less than eight assists? Lock them in and compete against others for a shot at huge cash prizes. Download the DraftKings Pick 6 app now and get started with code TBE. New customers can earn a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 in Pick 6 credits when you deposit $5 or more. Only on DraftKings Pick 6 with code TBE. The crown is yours. One offer per new customer. Minimum $5 deposit to receive a match of up to $100 in Pick 6 credits. Non-withdrawable and valid for Pick 6 use only. Expire after 180 days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. 18 plus in most eligible states. Age varies by jurisdiction. Eligibility restrictions apply. Pick 6 not available in all states. For up-to-date list of states, visit dkng.co slash pick 6 states. Void where prohibited. See terms at pick6.draftkings.com slash promos. State Farm Insurance gets it. Representation alone doesn't equate to authenticity. State Farm understands and wants to help protect our communities by investing in our future, building off the hard work our parents have done before us. We all are looking to create generational wealth so that our families and generations behind us have a better starting point than we did. That begins with financial literacy. State Farm helps fund programs like Project Ready, a National Urban League program committed to the educational achievement of black and brown youth. To date, participants have been awarded over $11 million in scholarships offers as a direct result of contributions from State Farm. At Eating Walbroke, we hear inspiring rags to riches stories on each episode from our guests, but with State Farm, you can begin to write your own success story. State Farm believes that being better neighbors creates better communities and have a long-lasting impact. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. We all can't help but wonder what awaits us around the next corner. What new roads are left to be discovered? What adventures lie just over the next ridge? Push beyond your current limits and find out. A Nissan Rogue, Nissan Pathfinder, or Nissan Armada will take you there. Where the road leads you and even where the off-road makes a way to. If you're taking on your adventure in a 2024 Nissan Rogue, class-exclusive Google built-in is always your updating assistant to call on for almost anything. Whether the adventure is about the destination the journey itself, or both. Your SUV will match your tenacity mile after mile. And no matter how far you wander, you'll remain tethered to home without the need to connect to your phone. Along with Assistant, Google Maps, and Google Play Store are built right into the 12.3-inch HD touchscreen infotainment system of the 2024 Nissan Rogue. Every one of Nissan's SUVs have the capabilities to take you where you want to go. The world is waiting to be discovered. What are you waiting for? Learn more at Nissan US. And we're back on Dealing Together, where we help good people who fell for bad deals. First caller? I had to buy three identical sweaters to get the fourth free. Ooh, you got fleeced. Next caller, what's your deal? I paid for 20 tanning sessions, but had to use them in a month. Now I'm orange. Ooh, you got burned. Next caller. I traded in my old Samsung at AT AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24+. Plus. Hmm. How's that bad? I got to choose from their best plans. So what went wrong? Oh, nothing went wrong. And you're calling to... To request a song? You want a song. Of course. The choice is yours. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. Every champion and carry. 
I just made several million dollars on those commercials. So thank you guys for hanging in there. I'm buying everybody a brand new house and a car. Now, let's listen to Phoebe Robinson. I want to get into some of the things, the many things. Like, where do we begin? You talked about your imprint. (laughs) Why is it called? I know why. I feel like I know why. Why is it called (laughs) Tiny Reparations? Tell me about that. Yeah, I mean, Jessica and I, when we're doing Two Dope Queens, we always joke that we're too ignorant to get actual reparations. Like that should be safe for like the activists and the Black people who are out here talking crazy. Um, But we're like, we can get those little tiny moments where like, you know, something good happens in your life, those tiny reparations, like we could get those. Like, so like if a a seat opens up at a restaurant, we'll take that tiny reparation. That's cool for us. Uh And so- I thought when I was launching this this imprint and I kept thinking about when I was shopping around my first book and how nobody wanted to publish it. It was 2015 and I'm being told that, you know, black female authors aren't relatable or nobody wants to read them. And I was like, well, I want this imprint to be my way of giving back, to be my sort of way of helping others. And so we have um, 11 books on the slate, including mine and all the 10 authors on the slate are debut authors, which is so exciting. And I feel like, I know that it's still early stages for the imprint, but I feel like this is exactly what it's supposed to be. It's supposed to be about helping these new writers get their work and their voices out there. And then they flourish and I could just be a proud mama. Yeah. Uh, yes. And yeah. <laughs> give them the voices that you said that need to be heard. You want to give other people the voice. That's what you do your work in. That's mm-hmm. amazing. By the way, tiny reparation today for me, I have been shopping because I'm going to this dinner on Friday and I could not find these pants and my stylist dropped them off. That might be a fancy reparation, but it's still tiny. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it counts. It counts. <laughs> <laughs> a fancy tiny reparation for the little black girl with two dollars um okay <laughs> so then you've been talking about it so october 14th right around the corner um and as you know we're releasing it around that time this podcast around that time talk to me about this stand-up special like uh, amazing right i'm so excited <laughs> i'm so excited it's called sorry harriet tubman um, and, uh, which is just like, I'm apologizing for being as ignorant as I am. Um, but I'm really excited and it's so much fun. And we shot at the Brooklyn Botanic Garden, um, in the Palm House. So it has this really beautiful sort of floral representation behind me. And it's like inside a domed building and, I'm like pinching myself. I was like, this was the dream that I had when I started stand up 13 years ago. Is I wanted to have my own solo stand up special on HBO, and it's happening. HBO specifically? Um, you wanted HBO specifically? That was it. It was like, yeah, because you will watch like, you know, Bill Burr, Chris Rock, Wanda Sykes, Margaret Cho, like, they all had HBO specials for so for to me I was like that is like the thing you want the HBO special even if it's just one time you want it that one time okay correct me if I'm wrong premiering October 14th HBO Max correct mm-hmm. okay so with that being said you also have a book uh, that came out which immediately black people were like I understand um, <laughs> please don't sit on my bed uh, <laughs> in your outside clothes. Uh, September 28th. Tell me about that. 
I'm so excited. Um, yeah, it, the idea for this book came about during COVID. Um, you know, the one thing that was sort of the constant for me with COVID um, while I was quarantining was reading. Like I would just wake up every day. I would sometimes wake up extra early in the morning just so I could read for like an hour or two and just sort of like escape and pretend as though I'm not living in a, a pandemic. Um, and throughout this time, I was just sort of, you know, there was a George Floyd, George Floyd being murdered. Um, and there was just a lot of performative allyship sort of happening all over social media. And I was sort of like work wise, I was kind of having to pivot as a boss and, you know, work was slowing down or things were being rearranged. There was just a lot that I was thinking about during this time. And, you know, I was like, oh, this could be an interesting essay collection. Um, and so I texted my my literary agent, Robert, and I was like, hey, I have an idea for an essay collection. I know this feels kind of silly because there's so much happening in the world. So this is just a book. Like, who cares? And he was like, this is great. Like, write, write the proposal and let's see if we can get this sold. And we had been talking to my publisher pre-COVID about doing an imprint. And then when the COVID happened, I just was like, oh, no one cares about that anymore. Um, and so that's how it came to be. And I had so much fun writing it. And I got to write about my parents, which is like the essay that's um, inspired by the title of the book. And just, you know, sort of their lovable quirks um, and about cleanliness and other things. Um, and so I feel like it's a really nice testament to them. It's a nice, you know, have a nice moment writing about quarantining with my boyfriend and how we got through that together. Um, and I'm really proud of this book. I think it's funny. I think I'm being really honest and vulnerable, like especially in the essay about um, our decision to be child free and not have kids um, and not be like, let me like diffuse this with a joke. It's like, no, let me talk about the process because every woman, whether or not you want to have kids, you really have to take stock of your life when you make this decision. Um, and I wanted to be honest about that instead of being jokey. So I think I just sort of like have the maturity to be like, I could write about this and it's okay if I'm not making jokes for a few pages because there are other women who are, are on the fence about whether or not they want to have kids and they just want to be able to read something that is not making a judgment either way. It's like, whatever is the best thing for you. And so I think having this time in COVID to sort of think about these things, I could really talk about or write about them in depth in a way that I think honors the subject matter. Well, that is a word. You you took me to therapy because <laughs> I too am on the fence. I'm not on the fence about having a child, but I've never been mm-hmm. really honest with myself about just sitting down and saying, take stock of what you're going to do. Like, I want a child. It's like, how do I want it? Do I want to use my safe mm-hmm. eggs or do I want to surrogate? You know, and I'm like, how long am I going to mm-hmm. give myself to the end of the year to make this decision? Year three, year four, year five, right? So I appreciate you for being so yeah. candid about that. I am excited to read this because I think you're going to do a lot of you know good as you always do. But it's always nice to be vulnerable because it's strong instead of people viewing it as weak. You're like, God, I'm glad somebody said it. You know what I mean? Or yeah, uh, I'm glad without a joke. Because I was about to do a joke because I got uncomfortable. But <laughs> you're glad somebody else said it. And so I'm glad that was you. You have so much going on. Okay. Oh, 
we didn't even talk about your Comedy Central show, um, which yes. I wanted to be on <laughs> so badly. But OK, maybe next time around with me and Jay. But talk to me about season one uh, It's doing the most. Right. So talk to me. I watched the first episode, which I should have watched more. And I'm going to support season two. So forgive me. I start get out of my head of deciding whether or not I should have kids. Um, but <laughs> season two, I know, um, is I guess on the on the precipice there it's happening. Can you talk to me about that? I hope so. We're in we're in we're in talks with Comedy Central right now. So I really hope that we can make it happen because I had so much fun doing the first season. I really wanted you and Jamel on for season one. I think it just came down to scheduling. We couldn't That's make all it work. Was. That's all it um, was. Yeah. But it was like it was really fun to sort of I think so much of what's out there in media a lot of times is hot takes and trying to catch someone saying the wrong thing so then we can drag them online. And I was like, I really just wanted this to be a fun show. I think especially celebrities are feeling sort of that pressure of like, I don't want to say anything because anything. I don't want to get cussed out. <laughs> and so, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's it's got to be scary if you like, if I have like, 10 million followers. And I see the wrong thing and it goes viral. That's going to fuck up my shit for like months. You see what happened and to so the rock, I, right? That was a good example. Do you mm-hmm, remember what happened to him? Like he spoke up on George Floyd and he was getting so much hate for however long. And I think you're right. Yeah. It's, it's tough because you're like, I just want to do the right thing, dog. Okay. So tell me. Mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. So with this show, I just was like, I wanted people to walk away feeling happy, joyful, uplifted, and, you know, I am terrified of so many things. So I thought it'd be fun for people to sort of laugh at me not being great at stuff to sort of remind all of us that, like, you don't have to be great at anything. If you just want to do something, you want to try it out, then just do it. And I think there is so much paralysis that goes on because everyone feels like they have to be the best at something. We're trained to, like, if you don't, if you're not proficient at it, then why are you doing it? And it's like, well, I just enjoy this thing. Like, this is like not really the same thing, but like I do yoga and I'm never particularly that great at it. Like <laughs> my thought, like no matter how many times I practice, my thighs are so weak. I don't have the flexibility. And I'm just like, I know I suck at this. And if someone walked in my apartment, they would be like, that is not yoga. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. I, I, it's yoga. It's in the, if I, if I yeah, end with a namaste, it's, it's yoga. Trying. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly but it's like fuck it i just want to try some stuff out and bow my head after 40 minutes and be done (laughs) and so that's what i really love about this show is that look i'm gonna get on this horse my goofy ass does not know how to be around animals Uh and we're gonna survive it and i'll come out the other side and done he's like black folks like yeah we don't do that you go if i live in a city and i'm black you go take your horse somewhere else sir (laughs) i'm not not having this this time with you. You want to play jacks? You want to do double dutch? Got you all day. <laughs> I really, again, back to, especially like your guests, you have really great guests. You just have a, like a way and I think it's relaxing and it's so funny and so just pure. So um, I, I, I think that uh, I will end with this. I didn't. I didn't get into because I don't have time to get into your personal life as I want to, but I do <laughs> want to ask you. Mm-hmm. As a woman who does have has no problem dating outside of her race, um, has yet to really have a significant connection or 
significant date really with anyone outside of my race but but i do get on the internet a lot like oh you're you only date white guys and i'm like just because yeah. i can put a subject and predicate together does not mean you know what i mean like there's just it, yeah. and, I, and i'm very yeah. honest about who i find attractive i'm like chris evans is fine i've been trying to holler at him forever he is friends on me <laughs> chris if you listening, everyone knows um break up with that girl <laughs> break up with that girl you like because she ain't shit uh, <laughs> once you go black, you never go back. No. <laughs> you cannot, you, you can't stop me. I'm silly. But talk to me <laughs> about the pressures of a black woman who is extremely successful, who is aware of what's going on in the community, dating someone who's outside of their race. While you, it doesn't matter to you and him, it sometimes matters to the yeah. world and they like to share it with you. How are you handling that? How do you? Yeah. Do I mean, I think I just have to, I just sort of block it out. I know maybe that's not the most mature thing to do, but I'm just like, it is so hard to find someone who wants to put up with your shit and you want to put up with their shit. And if they're a good person, I think we just all need to, I just feel like there are so many people who mind the business of other folks and they're not minding their own lives. And so I'm like, Anyone who certainly who does not know me and is just on social media and sees that my boyfriend is this white British dude and they have all these opinions about it. And I'm like, how can this affect you so deeply when you don't know me and you don't know him? So I really try to come from a place of, you know, yes, of course, I love black love. That is iconic and amazing. But I'm also like, this is the person that I found that I'm supposed to be with. In this in this lifetime, I, I don't know if I believe necessarily in reincarnation, but I do believe that like on this journey that I'm on, like he is the right person for me for this lifetime journey. Um, and I'm, I feel so lucky to have that and to, you know, so it just I can't let that sort of negative energy kind of affect that. And, you know, I want people to feel good but i also have to live for me you know so that's kind of that's how i balance it i just go i have to make the best choice for my life and to me he is the best choice for my life oh again i <laughs> love love i love that girl stand up for you man don't be talking about my man on these streets uh, i love it you like if you want to fight me meet, meet me later don't be in my DMs talking about my boo. Now, but be honest, though. <laughs> what if Idris was like, I'm leaving my wife. You want to leave your boo? Let's be together. Who? Idris Elba. Who's going to say? Who? <laughs> uh, I'd be like, babe, let's, I'm like, can I just have a weekend? Just a hall pass weekend. And then I'll come back to him. <laughs> I mean, no, if he didn't allow that, he's selfish. I, I, I need you to rethink this yeah. lifetime commitment. That right? is selfish. <laughs> <laughs> Because listen, if Ben is listening, yeah, Jennifer just, ain't all that. Give me the weekend. Yeah, you give me the weekend. <laughs> <laughs> I would, I, <laughs> girl, I, got, I have a weekend list. And we're making weekend lists. Ladies, send your weekend list to Naked with Carrie Champion. <laughs> so, so I can decide <laughs> who I want to be with. <laughs> 
this is we're having some fun. We're having some fun. Um, but I'm not. She's having fun. I'm serious. Zedra, if she tripping. <laughs> Cause I am single. If she tripping, listen, 424 area code. Um, all right. <laughs> so <laughs> before I let you go with my silliness and get I'm gonna get beat up on these streets talking about people's <laughs> <laughs> Wait, how is it? Are you got, Lord, what is wrong with me? <laughs> okay. Before I let you go, as I, guys, you have to watch the comedy special. Like, can you believe? Like, she's kicking with me, making me think I'm funny and I'm silly, and she's laughing and giving me all material as well. You guys got to check it out. This is just natural. <laughs> um, meantime, in between time, talk to me about any projects that you can share that you're working on that are coming up. Oh, God. I mean, we have some stuff in development with my production company, a half hour comedy starring me um, for Freeform. We're developing an animated series, which I'm really excited about because I used to love uh, cartoons growing up as a kid. Um, But it's going to be a little bit like um, it's not like a cartoon for kids. It's like a cartoon for adults. I should clarify. Um, So we have some stuff going on. We have five books on my imprint coming out next year, which I'm really excited about. Um, The first one that's coming out next year is on February 1st. It's called What the Fireflies Knew by Kai Harris. Um, And it's a a coming of age story about this little black girl. She's 12. Her name is KB. And um, her father passes away from drug usage. So her mom sends her and her older sister, who's like 15, 16, to go live with their grandfather for the summer. And it's sort of that kind of it deals with like, you know, obviously grief, but also like that sibling relationship. Like I went through that where I was like a preteen and my brother was like a full teenager in high school and how like you kind of part for a little bit because they're getting their independence, but you're still a little kid to them. So you can't like roll with them the way that you want to. Um being like 12, 13, sort of trying to like figure out the world and figure out like, oh, adults aren't perfect. Oh, my parents aren't perfect. And what does that mean to me and how I understand people to be? So I'm re- I really love that book. It's phenomenal. It's going to make people like cry, I think, but it's, it's so, so good. Um, and then I'll wrap up. My second book that's coming out next year is called Portrait of a Thief by Grace D. Lee. She wrote this while she was in medical school. Wow. This woman is talented. Wow. Um, yeah. When she told me that in the meeting, I was like, I will never complain again about writing Yeah, about what? Uh, <laughs> but like, but listen to you. You're a mogul in the making, if not many mogul, tiny reparations mogul. You're doing it all. Like you are hitting all the areas. And I love it because if we can't get some of this white guilt money, then I don't know who can. Go ahead, girl. <laughs> yes. Let's get it. Let's get these dollars. <laughs> um, Phoebe Robinson, you're so amazing. Um, I can't can't wait to actually meet you in person. I'm sure the day is coming sooner rather than later. Thank you for being here on Naked. Awesome. As always, time flies by when I talk to you. This yeah, was fantastic. it was Thank great. So and when you meet Idris, just give him my number. I'm going to text it to you again because you may have lost it in the I DMs. Will- <laughs> if he tries to holler at you and you're done with your weekend, pass me on for a weekend, okay? So I'm going to give it to you. I'm going to put it in. But this, that's me texting you. Sent. <laughs> 
Take care of your girl. Sit. <laughs> it's cold out here. I'm in it. You got to, you cuddling. It you is. got, you rubbing feet. You got a boo. I'm out here just sitting with my dog in the bed. So come on, help your girl out. It's cold. I'm going to help you out. Thank I you. I got you. I Thank got you. you. <laughs> in conclusion, not really. No, for real. I'm joking with my fingers crossed. I'm kidding because it's disrespectful to the wife, but I'm not kidding, but I'm kidding. Get it? Um, Phoebe's funny. Uh, I enjoy her. I enjoy her honesty. I enjoy everything that she represents. And uh, she genuinely, when I get to meet people that I am a fan of via social media or I've watched them and they genuinely seem kind and I, I wasn't kidding. I moved into my very first house when we did our very first interview about a year ago and she sent me flowers. I only interviewed her once and she was really happy for me. And then she asked me to be on her show and we couldn't, and she asked Jeff Mel and I to be on our show and because of COVID, we couldn't, you know, it'll be a new day. But it was just, it was just wonderful to realize that there was someone who was in the world in which you work in, in some capacity and they have a kind heart and there is always nothing but love and warmth. And so I'm, I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful for her ability to talk very candidly about her relationship because I do know as um, a successful black woman, if you, I've talked about this on the podcast, if you date outside your race, people want to label you and put you in a box to make themselves feel comfortable. If you do not take anything away from this podcast, it is, it is to remember that whenever someone wants to label you and call you anything, it is a direct connection of their insecurities. It's, It's because they're insecure or they're jealous or they can't talk in the way in which you or be around you in a way in which they want to be. So they have to attack you. I say that because that's every day with social media. I'm all kind of, it's so funny. I get, I hear, I hear from, it's not funny. It's, it's stupid. I hear from white people. I'm racist. I hear from black men. I only date white men. It, I, I can't win. So guess what? I don't try. I just speak my truth. And the truth is Phoebe is the she is niz trying to stop cursing and I am encouraged and inspired I gotta get my hustle on I don't think I'm doing enough I gotta get a I gotta get a team together to make this work all right was that funny it was see y'all next week Martha Stewart, the original influencer. When I think about anything, I think about the way that she did it first. The media mogul. Five to six years ahead, she saw what was coming. The prisoner, the rise, the fall, and the reinvention of an American icon. Once Martha paved the road, everybody else pretty much copied her. A CNN original series, The Many Lives of Martha Stewart, now streaming on Max. Hi, I'm Antonia Blythe, and this is 20 Questions on Deadline. Joining me today is Alison Bree. Welcome, Alison. We got second place in my seventh grade lip sync contest for one of the songs on that album. The one that was like, you've already won me over. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. It's a very all slow. The, all the options. In spite of me. <laughs> like, what did we do? It's so slow. Don't forget to listen to 20 Questions on the Deadline. Thank you again, Alison. Thank you.